0: Hey, what is going on, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. If you think nobody cares if you're alive, try missing a couple of car payments. <laughs> my name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking?
1: Uh, Awesome. Anything? And, and so, you know what? I went to my fridge, and there was no beer, and I almost broke out into a cold sweat. So, instead, I have... Podcast uh, over. Exactly, I was like, Thomas, you have to cancel the episode, no beer. Uh, but we've been infusing tequila with jalapeno, so I was like, ah, oh, let me just have some tequila.
0: That's
1: right. Are you going to have any left over for me when I come? Um. So this is what <laughs> we have, because <laughs> this is us tasting to see if it's spicy enough. We didn't actually okay. really drink it yet, but I'll save you some. Is it good? Uh, it is, it
0: is. Nice, I love spicy drinks. Uh, I got a bullet. Ooh, yeah. What kind? Let's see. What do I do in this one? I just did, like, I think kale and berries and mango. And then that didn't taste good enough. So I threw a bunch of peanut butter in there. And now it's uh, great.
1: And I would say, um, perhaps, like, to round out the flavor,
0: if you add, like, some rum, that'd be like excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that is Alyssa Money Matters branded suggestion right there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Add rum it's- to your healthy <laughs> nutrition shakes. This episode is sponsored by Captain Morgan. (laughs) little captain your smoothie. You know, it's got some macros in it. Actually, alcohol has seven calories per gram. It's a lot of energy. You're going to need it for the gym. Mm. (laughs) I do that a lot. Anyway, today we have a guest on the show. Her name is Joy Liu. And Joy, you are part of the team at the financial gym, right?
2: Yeah, I am. I'm one of the financial trainers there.
0: Right on, and we've actually had Shannon, the CEO. Is she a CEO?
2: Mm-hmm. Or do you
0: guys have like founder,
2: a cool
0: CEO. founder CEO? CEO. <laughs> she's been on the show. When she before. When she walks around during the day, does she
1: call herself the CEO or?
2: Um no, I think she she likes the term founder more. Mm. Um, she like reluctantly plays the CEO role.
1: <laughs> she <laughs> also,
2: um, she's been talking about how she's had to be a lot of the boss lately, and it's not as fun. Not yeah. as being the founder.
0: <laughs> Those Zuckerberg-esque business cards. <laughs> anyway, so you guys have really been growing. I mean, I remember when we had Shannon on the show; you guys were in a totally different space, and now I've learned you guys are in a space that was like five times bigger than the old one. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: That is awesome, and uh, it's like what, like right in the heart of Manhattan.
2: It is. We're in. We're in the Flatiron. So. Um, it's a cool neighborhood. It's centrally located. So we try to be subway accessible.
0: <laughs> nice. Now, when I think of the Flatirons, I think of mountains because I live in Colorado, but I'm guessing yeah, it's that it's a little it's different. Not top of the mountain.
2: <laughs> you know, it's that it's that iconic building that's like, um, you know, triangle shaped. Like oh,
0: that pizza one. a slice that is too small. Mm-hmm. You mean the one that everyone takes a selfie in front of?
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Oh, Okay. Like now I know what you're talking there. about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's actually not that far from the office of the company I work with for my video sponsorships. And I hang out there a lot. So that's yeah. pretty cool. I remember walking past time it. You're in town. <laughs> yeah, I might be able to actually. I'm going to be in town in like three weeks because I'm basically always in New York, it seems.
2: <laughs> yeah, stop by.
0: Anyway, so to give people a reminder, what exactly do you guys do at the financial gym?
2: Yeah. So the financial gym is a space where you can go to get financially healthy. So we do one-on-one financial training with people. So think of us like a personal trainer for your money. Um, And we go through the full financial planning process. We talk through, try and get an understanding of where everyone is currently. We get into the nitty gritty of your account balances, debt balances, and, um, talk a lot about goals. So short-term, medium and long-term goals. And then we put together a comprehensive plan for people and then hold them accountable to it.
0: But you guys are kind of different from a normal financial advisor though, right?
2: totally different. We don't manage any assets, so it's all just mm-hmm. advice based. And, um, you know, a lot of it too, is we do give investing advice, but we found that a lot of people, um, there's a lot of steps that they haven't yet done to be mm-hmm. able to start investing the way that they think they want to. So we okay. handle, we handle the stuff that traditional advisors probably don't want to touch with a 10 foot bowl. Um, we'll talk mm-hmm. about just basic savings rates, uh, Having an emergency fund, managing debt, um, and dealing with all of the feelings and (laughs) shame that comes with managing money as well.
0: Gotcha. So you guys are focused on helping the people who are maybe not ready to invest yet and getting them ready for it.
2: So we see everybody's, it's just like any regular gym, right? There's Mm -hmm. people who are just starting on their journey and have, um, have certain things that they have to deal with. And then we have other people who, um, might come to us They're like, I've got 60 grand sitting in my savings account and I know it's doing nothing, but what do I Mm -hmm. do? (laughs) So we, we kind of see the whole gamut. So I've got clients in all different situations.
1: You know, I was talking to Shannon last time I saw her, and because you said like you kind of do a lot of the touchy feely money stuff, and she said how like you, there are like a lot of like couples who both want the same thing, but it's she almost uh, mediates their their money issues so that they can you know be unstuck and like move forward, which. Well, I think Laura and I were both like, ah,
0: we're going for next date night.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Well, so it's kind of like we turn into therapists, we turn into life coaches, we turn into like negotiation coaches, relationship dating coaches. Um, (laughs) So it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty. A comprehensive service. If you're into having a bunch of different coaches, you could just try having a financial trainer first. <laughs> you into it. <laughs> a-
1: apparently if you are in the f- uh, flat iron district and you're, and you're a member, you could just kind of like squat and just use your Wi-Fi, and you <laughs> don't have to buy a coffee.
2: Yeah. There's no <laughs> coffee to be bought. <laughs> we don't sell any. So
0: <laughs> Martin and I were talking about putting coffee in our office whenever we get one but we want to have like some sort of physical challenge you have to do to get to it. Like okay. like a, a trapeze bar that you have to swing over a pit or something. <laughs> <laughs> so or we only line.
1: spent $15 on coffee this month. Pretty great. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> Seems no one it. wants it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love this idea. I don't know if the rest of the people working at the office will actually be that into it, but
1: so we'll see. Joy, um, you've been doing this for a while now, and I'm sure you've seen like literally everything and then some things you thought you would never see. Um, And I want to kind of talk with you about some of like the biggest roadblocks you see people having and uh, like how you kind of unstuck them. Because at the end, uh, they they do it themselves, right? Like you just kind of are
2: a guide. Yeah, I give them here's the to do list. Now go do it. And I I sometimes I'll sit with them and be moral support. Like we've sat with people to like open their mail because they're scared. <laughs> <laughs> or I sit with people <laughs> to open new like savings accounts or when they're ready to start investing, I sit with them and like um, have them open their brokerage account. So whatever it is. Mm.
1: I I totally understand that. Sometimes I have to respond to like an email that makes me nervous. And I literally make Laura sit there next to me and like, why should we send this? I don't know. Like say something stupid or yeah, I get it. Um, So, so what do you think is like the biggest uh, mistake that people have besides not opening their mail?
2: Um, I think on like the biggest or like most high level, um, macro view, it would be just not having well-defined goals. So Mm -hmm. um, usually if I have a client who's got really clear, even if they're aggressive and like ridiculous goals. Um they're really into them so I can use that to help them um help them like cut out the seamless and the ubers a lot easier than if it's mm. just someone who's like I just uh I'm just trying to be an adult and need to yeah. have financial <laughs> shit together, you know. Yeah. Because <laughs> you
0: can't it's, show them how their their daily habits are actually taking away from a, per, a specific goal or, or it's you know pushing them further and further off from being able to achieve it.
2: Exactly. So it's just a different conversation when they have a very clear goal that, that they're trying to achieve. Um, so I spend a lot of time helping people form goals um, to get to the nugget that I need to motivate them to actually take some action. So it's a lot of questions. And like, what do you see for yourself in your 40s and 50s? Mm-hmm. And what would you do if you didn't have to trade time for money? <laughs> All these things. Yeah. So.
1: Uh, You like what would be some more examples of, I guess, like not well defined goals, because I mean, obviously, and I know a lot of people who just really want to be an adult and they've already grown up. (laughs) But like, I think there are a lot of people who also have like goals or what they think are goals, but it's actually just ridiculous or I don't know
2: yeah well i think there's all the all of the things that we think we should be doing with our money um but don't really fully understand it so it's it's like um you know having like maxing out retirement for instance that's usually Mm -hmm. someone's goal um without having other um without thinking about the bigger picture um Uh so that's actually i have some clients which um if you are going out to hire a financial trainer, you you tend to, you could, the chances are good that you're a type A person and wants to like check off the box for lots of things. So I can't tell you how many times we have people who are type A people who have read all of the, you know, all of the listicles online and saying the financial checklist you should be doing. And they're putting... 15% um in their 401k um but they have credit card debt and they can't figure mm-hmm. out why. <laughs> um so uh that's a common one of like I want to max out retirement um but they also want to buy a house or they also want to have children um and maybe they can't really afford to max out retirement just yet.
0: Yeah. So it's uh, an yeah. issue of priorities.
2: Yeah, and just not knowing like not knowing how the big picture like how all the puzzle pieces fit together
1: well and i think kind of like you said uh they're they're like competing goals almost (laughs) it's like filling out your retirement or getting rid of your debt and like i guess you could do both not as great but uh so so focus and stuff
2: yeah so so, um maxing out retirement's a big one or just saving more or, you know, not having a smart goal. So we don't have mm. a specific amount that they want to save because they don't like we don't know how much cash we really need to save um, oh. or spending less. So just vague goals, too.
0: So you mentioned smart goals. I was going to ask, what do the goals end up looking like once you're done working with somebody, you know, on a goal setting session?
2: So, um, in a goal setting section, I'll, I write down their words. So I repeat Mm -hmm. their words back to them. Um, but in the actual plan, I'll give them like specifics on, we need to save, you know, we need a three to six months worth emergency fund. So here's how much to save. Um, here's when you're going to get there. Um, and then for other times too, sometimes they just have smaller goals of, they want to travel more. So I will, ask them like in a year, how much do you think you spend on travel or how much would you like to spend on travel? And then we back it out on a monthly Mm. basis from there. But, um, Mm. just forcing them to put a number next to that goal is really helpful for planning purposes.
0: (laughs) Okay. So it sounds like the, the whole goal here is to create something that's more specific and also something that's going to happen, or at least that has an action that's going to happen much sooner than say retirement. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, so aside from not having well defined goals, what are some other mistakes that people make with their financial planning and habits?
2: Um, well we've, so where should I start? Let's start with the debt. So a lot of people come to us with, um, with debt and based off of whatever beliefs they come with, um, or like having heard Dave Ramsey, um, there's a, a lot of anxiety and stress around having debt and not having an understanding of where, like how bad it is. So someone could come to me with like, $5,000 in credit card debt and feel like the world is about to end. Um, Same thing with someone who comes to me with half a million in student loans. Like they, the two feel just as stressed um, because no one really knows where they stand. Um, So being overly emotional about debt and, um, We try to take a balanced approach because I find that people feel more powerful when they have more money in their savings account or more assets than just throwing all of their extra money at paying down debt. It can be kind of a demoralizing way to live life. So I try to get them to do both um, and have them feel less stressed about carrying the debt. So. That's another thing that I find is just being overly emotional and wanting to get out of debt as soon as possible without really wanting to make any long-term habit changes or um, build up any savings for an emergency fund to prevent getting into debt again.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know something that we talk about a lot on this show is the difference between something like, say, the stack method versus the snowball method, where stack method of paying off debt is going to get you out of debt more quickly, but like you said, it isn't gonna leave you with a ton of savings if you go just totally gung-ho on it. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people just aren't gonna feel very good about that, which is why I guess a lot of people that are not us often recommend either building up some investments, even if it is mathematically not the most optimal way to go about it. I guess people just don't operate on pure mathematics all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's um, it it's a confidence builder kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Like that's the, what that's the argument for the snowball method of paying down debt, right? Is like yeah. you go after the smallest balances, um, even if those smaller balances are low interest, mm-hmm. um, or paying off your car and your house before you get too into investing like those are all that's one one school of thought um but what i'm more interested in is helping people get into the habit of just of of saving uh, x percentage no matter what so like if we can start building up the savings we carve out a portion of the budget to pay off debt it's less it's just debt is now an expense that you carry, um, instead of it being a whole lifestyle to pay off. (laughs) Do
0: You advocate that people pay off their debt balances every month manually, or are you okay with them setting up like an automatic payment?
2: Yeah, it depends. Um, I think that comes down to the one on one. Like I, ha- I get to know the person and like what is what their issues are and what's not working. So some people might have too many auto payments set up so they can't even keep track um, mm-hmm. and are constantly going into the negatives on their bank account and then others don't pay attention and they might have a ton of money in their checking account and never know. Um so for them an auto payment makes a lot more sense than someone who has too many auto payments and can't keep track. Okay. Both can't keep track. So, so it's um, more of just an
0: individual thing.
2: It's an individual thing, but I like to have them like we can we automate the stack method. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you've got Um, here are your minimum payments. Like we're going to auto pay the minimum payments. And then I'm going to have you carve out 300 extra dollars every month to put towards your highest interest debt. And you're going to automate that one until it's paid off. And then we move on to the next one kind of thing.
0: Okay. So keeping it simple.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So for the people who have money in in their savings and checking accounts and, and yet like aren't making the payments, is, is there like a, a thought that. They, I mean, or they assume it's just all happening and working correctly, or are they like purposefully being blind about it because they don't want (laughs) to.
2: Yeah, it could be both. So I find most of the time for people who just blindly have like a bunch of money building up in their checking account, um, they're also just not. They're not spending that much either, but they're stressed because they don't see. I don't know. They don't know how they're, it's working. They're just not sure what's going mm. on. Um, so I definitely have some of those, and it makes sense to outsource me to do that because then I'm I'm in the nitty gritty and flagging stuff for them. Mm. Um, so.
0: So you're actually managing That's- things for them.
2: So we have, we have a, a portal, so kind of like Mint, where you sync your accounts or personal capital. So they'll sync their accounts with us, and then their trainer has visibility to all the transactions and balances that are going on. So on a quarterly basis, we'll run a report and do all the categorizing for you so you don't have to, um, yeah. and call out any trends or like, hey, did you know that you have this subscription? Um, do you want to cancel that? Like, do you use that? Or, hey, did you realize you spent $3,000 going out to eat last quarter? Like, do you (laughs) want to spend that much?
0: (laughs) I've had some painful realizations like that in the past. (laughs) (laughs) And I I know you have, too, because, Andrew, you guys have been doing a killer job at actually not spending a zillion dollars out lately.
1: I I don't know if this is for all the people, Joy, that, like, you talk with, but Laura and I tend to, like – ping pong to like ultimate extremes where like we're doing really bad not like bad but like we're really just being assholes with our money and then we're like oh my god this is we have to fix this and we become like the most extreme like overachieving (laughs) money budgeters and then it slowly dips back down but right now we're writing down everything we spend on the refrigerator every
2: week Oh like, yeah, how- I listened to that episode. Yeah, I love that method. Um, my clients, uh, I have, I have one client, uh, or they're a couple, and they're incredible. They save like sixty percent of their income. They're like wow. really gung ho about it. Wow getting into a house really soon. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, uh, for, so in the plans, everyone gets a weekly spend challenge. So once we figure out, um, how much they're saving towards their goals, how much they need to put towards debt, if they have any and their fixed expenses, it's like whatever's left over, we break out on a weekly basis. Um, so I think I gave them um, $230 a week to spend on on the day-to-day stuff and they're the only ones that come out within like a few dollars of the average and they, actually they,
0: stick revealed, with
2: they revealed their secret to me. They keep a chalkboard in their kitchen mm. So it's the same thing like they write it down and that's how they stay on track
1: <laughs> You know, like we had set up all the alerts and mint and we've done all this stuff but like it just kind of gets away from you And you always have an exception. Like, well, we're just going out tonight because it's Friday or I don't know, whatever. But you don't realize that you're always making exceptions unless your refrigerator (laughs) is filled with exceptions. And then,
0: yeah. (laughs) Is it? I forget. Is it a whiteboard in your refrigerator or are you putting sticky notes on it or what are you guys doing?
1: Laura's literally ripping out a piece of notebook paper and writing in pen. (laughs) And we have, like, all of our different budget types on there. And then, of course, I had to make a graph in hand by pen so every week i draw a new line between our, our dots
0: you just is it like a total spend line
1: yeah well oh, for the week yeah like last okay. week we spent like i mean not counting the mortgage you spent like 400 something dollars which i was shocked i can't believe that was a real thing i'm excited
0: wow yeah <laughs> Anyway, awesome. going out to yeah. eat like three times for you guys
1: right it's expensive in new york
0: <laughs> yeah it is <laughs>
1: Okay, so so they're not managing uh, their debt strategically. Um, are there any like easy or, or maybe common things that they do that they haven't already said?
2: Um, no, I think that's well. The first one is just knowing knowing what debt you owe. So hmm. probably my, my biggest disaster cases um, are just. A really long time of keeping of burying your head in the sand um so having you open the mail and really face like okay so here's actually how much is in student loans and it is now in default so we now need to get this out of default um or or like having things in collections sometimes we have them like ignore the collections because it's it's done its damage on the credit score score already right. um so prioritizing the debt appropriately too like what has to hmm. be paid versus what can you um what can you hold off on or what is really not going to be a great use of your money at this point in time that
1: <laughs> is an awesome point that if something's mm-hmm. already in collections it's almost like fuck them right yeah. <laughs> De- deal with the people who haven't put you into collections and you know like it happens you know we'll move yeah. forward
2: yeah, so it's really it. – I've done some pretty extensive prioritizations of here's who you're going to pay and here's who you need to call and, like, wrestle down to the ground and tell them you don't have any money.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so you yeah. guys have weapons at, at the gym to make sure yeah. that <laughs> –
2: Well, their financial plan actually turns into a really handy tool when they're talking to debt collectors. It's like, Mm -hmm. here's how much I have, Mm -hmm. and all these other people are further in line than you are to get paid, so you need to wait. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: So it kind of brought up something in my mind. Like, have you used any of these things to help negotiate things with lenders for people?
2: Um, Like, I don't know if it's like
1: concessions or...
2: Well, it gives them the confidence because they know it's like in black and white. Like, here's how much my expenses are. Like, I can't get around that. Here's how much I make. I can only make more money to make this problem go away. Um, and like, usually we can carve out like you have you have 200 extra dollars a month that you can pay other people with that you owe. So, um, especially if it's already hit collections or um, those defaults are already on the credit score. Like, if the credit score is already in the 500s, like, what, what are they going to do?
0: That's it. They, they wrote their name. They got 500 <laughs> points. <Yeah. laughs> I was reading, um, have any, either of you read Delivering Happiness, the book by the guy yeah. who founded Zappos. He was saying that in the early days of the company, they were really financially strapped. So they would have meetings every single week to talk about which vendors they were going to have to stiff that week and not pay. <laughs> so would be like, all right, we're going to pay this guy because we haven't paid him in two months. We're going to pay this person because they're basically just like a stickler for getting paid on time. These people are cool. So we're just going to like not pay them. We literally don't have yeah. enough money. <laughs> <laughs> so it pays to not be cool.
2: Yeah. I guess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, Probably pays I to think be cool. For-
2: for people who are dealing with this, if you like shift the mindset on like, uh, I owe all these people all this money, like I'm such a loser to being, putting yourself in a position of power as in like, these people just want to get paid. And like, it, it's only me that's standing between them and getting paid. Um, so I get to be in charge of Um, like, When, how much I can physically do and so on and so forth. Cause you got to cover your basics of like making sure you can eat and live somewhere and drive to work to make money.
1: And I have no doubt that all of those things shore up confidence and the way you make more money is often confidence. And so Mm -hmm. it almost like getting the the beginning basics together just accelerates all the the rest.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. What, what else Joy? Um, we talked a little bit about the 401k. So either contributing way too much to the 401k, um, by following like parents advice or like traditional baby boomer advice, but then racking up credit card debt to cover day to day expenses and not really doing the math on like, maybe I should stop saving so much for retirement right now Mm. because I need to I need to make sure I'm out of 25% credit card debt and Mm -hmm. saving up an emergency fund um, and then making sure I can put enough away to buy a house if I want to buy a house um, before getting too aggressive with the 401k. Um, Because some things I've seen are, um, I've got clients who have like who are in? Who are middle aged and they've had a great career? And by, by the like
1: way, what, what do you define as middle aged? I'm just personally curious.
2: Forties <laughs> <laughs> uh, and fifties. I Good, define good. I
1: big. like you, Joy.
2: Forties <laughs> yeah. and fifties. Um, they might they might be pushing like a million dollars in their 401k, but like on the verge of losing their house mm. um, because oh they've been contributing too much to their 401k and not planning for the day to day stuff. Um, on the flip side, I've got some high earners who have never, um, who've never wanted to figure out retirement. So they've never even signed up for their company 401k. Mm. Um, and they probably have the best 401ks. Yeah, it's just, it's a missed opportunity, but that's okay. Mm. It's never too late. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And speaking of missed opportunities, I mean, some people also just put too much into their 401k beyond the matching limit. And they're not able to access the best possible investments with the rest of that money.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's the retirement stuff. Um, Another thing is... Uh, so we think about money and we think about clients money or our money in three different buckets and um, the order of priorities so you've got your emergency cash that you need to have in place and then you've got life money that you need to have in place so that's you know taxable investments for um, for goals like buying a house having kids taking a hiatus and then you've got retirement um, mm-hmm. and that's really how I prioritize it for people so like the first habit is getting them to Save because the hardest part about investing is having money to invest. <laughs> um, so we build up the cash first, um, and then we I teach them about investing in index funds and things like that. Um, and then connecting a goal next to that, and you know, adjusting the asset allocation appropriately. So. Uh, when people say that they have a house goal, we we figure that out for them. And usually, as soon as the emergency fund is done, um, we you know teach them about betterment or vanguard and have them save whatever they I've gotten used to them saving into their emergency fund uh, into the brokerage account for the goal.
0: Do you ever get people who are afraid to save for these intermediate life goals like buying a house? Because they think it's going to kill their retirement savings.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, I have people who um, who get very uneasy when I tell them they need to pump the brakes on their retirement savings to save for these things. Um, so that happens just because we're never. No one's ever telling us that we need to save for these life for a lot of people. It's like the first time they've ever received that advice. Um, so usually I have to get them over that of like, it's okay. Just because you're not saving in what's called a retirement account doesn't mean like all of this is not beneficial for your future self and, Mm -hmm. you know, retirement in the future. Mm -hmm. So I get pushback on that, but I usually tell them or I can tell them from experience, like the person who has $800,000 in their 401k but can't afford the house that they live in type of thing. So that usually helps yeah. them get over it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it makes sense because I don't know, we keep getting told to save for retirement, so it seems like every every penny that's invested needs to go towards that, mm-hmm. but... There's some big expenses that most people are going to have because they want to own a house. They want to own kids. uh, And you can't access that that money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Most of us aren't 65. We want to buy a house.
1: It's a great point because I feel like all of your major expenditures are kind of done when you retire. That's like when you get on the hot air balloon ride like around the world (laughs) and just kind of like – disappear but but like before that there's like kids house college kids college it's, it's insane yeah
2: life mm-hmm. is really expensive so that's the next thing um, that i see as a macro issue is people aren't financially preparing to take on dependence um so mm. that starts with getting a pet so that's a goal for some people like um some of my clients want to get dogs um and especially in new york city it costs like three hundred dollars a month to own a dog um oh my between gosh. Yeah, between uh, the random pet visit, uh, random vet visits, um, mm-hmm. grooming, food, and then the amount of, like, dog sitting or, mm-hmm. like, dog walkers that you need – or doggy daycare, um, or boarding, it usually averages out to be $300 a month. So, um, usually before they pull the trigger on that, we have them practice that future expense. So, gotcha. um, you know, we start, uh, we start a pet fund and if you can put $300 a month in there consistently, then you've adjusted your budget and lifestyle to own that dog.
0: So now you can have a pet.
2: Now How much does your pet?
0: cat cost you, Andrew? Uh, I don't know. She, yeah, well, you guys own your place, so you don't have, you don't have to pay pet rent or anything like that. No, no. I mean, well, this is I am actually living in
1: Abby's apartment. I am just a guest here, <laughs> <laughs> and between all the soft food that she thinks she wants, it doesn't eat, and I don't know. She, yeah. She's cats are a little less.
2: <laughs> cats are a little less expensive. Dogs are usually they're more high maintenance. So um, you know, with the pet fund, I had a few people like su- successfully do this with me, um, and they've saved it up, and it gives you. Then it helps you save up the lump sum costs for getting the dog, like adoption Mm -hmm. fees, all the supplies that you need to buy the thing. um, And everyone feels really good about it. So it's just like mentally preparing yourself. Like my expenses are going to increase by taking on this dependent, which is an animal.
0: (laughs) I like that idea, like proving to yourself you can can hit the monthly cost and then you can use that to actually get the dog.
2: Yeah. It's kind of Um, a good
0: reward at the end of it.
2: And then it's the same thing for – that for children. So human dependence, um, Mm adding an extra child or adding a child to the family usually adds like a thousand dollars in expenses. Um, So early in their life, it's like if you had any medical bills coming out of having the child, um, Mm -hmm. getting the nursery up and running and childcare. So either a nanny or a daycare, it's a thousand bucks a month at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when they're older, it doesn't stop. They've got extracurricular activities, (laughs) birthday parties, Mm -hmm. summer camp, um cars, cell phones and college and then ma- and then like wedding and grandkids. So like when you have a child, like Joy, you're should, giving
0: me anxiety.
2: You should, should have $1,000 a month.
0: Don't worry, Andrew. If you're like my parents. You don't have to pay for all the later stuff. And I have to buy them cell phones. Let me just catch my breath. Okay. My parents wouldn't even let me have a cell phone. I had to like secretly buy my own. Oh my God. I so see you when you were a kid, You're like, I want a cell
1: phone. When I was a kid, I was like, I wanted a beeper. They were never useful and they were never cool.
0: Just putting (laughs) that out there. (laughs) No, but you you can keep your beeper in your fanny pack.
1: (laughs) One second. I could call Andrew or I could remember his beeper number and type a code in with numbers (laughs) to his beeper. And he's not going to get back to me anyways because he's an asshole.
0: (laughs) I'm very excited to call your beeper. <laughs> Please give me your beeper number. <laughs> oh,
1: God. And that shit was, like, as expensive as a cell phone. It was ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I don't
2: get yeah. it. Don't get it.
0: Mm. Do you ever consider, like, girlfriends or boyfriends when, when talking about the dependents? Or are oh. most people that you talk with, like, are they, you know, both people are are income generators?
2: Um. Typically, yes. But... I do see, so (laughs) I do see an increase in expenses when someone starts dating again. So like Mm -hmm. that's happened a few times where I'm like, oh, you, I feel like you've been going to dry bar more. Like, is that something we need to build into the budget? And she's like, oh, I started dating again. So (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, (laughs) Um, or, um, or I guess like going out, going out more often. So Mm -hmm. that would be. I wouldn't call them a dependent though. I'll so usually maybe it's like, not,
0: it's not, yeah, it's not a dependent. It's just like extra expenses in the dating process.
2: Yeah. I would usually, if someone, what if a significant other was starting to feel like a dependent, I would probably slight, like gently urge them to break up with that person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Unless they're cool with that. I mean, some people are okay with that, I guess.
2: Yeah. And then we got to make enough money to be able to support that mm-hmm. other person.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, So one thing we have written down here, which I am thinking about a lot because I would like to own a home the next year or two is becoming house poor.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have
0: a lot of people who end up in that situation? But what does that actually mean? I don't know what that means.
2: So I guess house poor is you now own the thing that you live in um, and you're fully responsible for the expenses that come up with it. But you don't have an emergency fund or like any way of dealing with that.
0: Like all your assets are tied up in the house, which is very not liquid. That sounds like (laughs) the worst. Like, mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, so being house poor, it just means like you you got into the house before you were ready, um, yeah. and now there's there's added expenses that come with it, bef- and before you were ready to deal with it. So, no one likes no no one likes it when I do the house calculation for them, and it includes the <laughs> full twenty percent down. <laughs> And yep. the 3% for closing costs and a $10,000 contingency fund. Cause it takes a long time to get there. Um, but that's the, the best in terms of like making sure you're prepared. It's the same thing. Like I make them save $300 a month for a dog. It's like, we gotta be sure we're prepared for the house by having.
1: Uh, savings and it, it's so important because like you said, like that, the 3% fee and then obviously like if you if you like skid in and make it to the dollar the bank is like no 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 like you have to feed yourself like come back when you have more yeah <laughs> and then you will know, like pick up your phone you're like mom i want to talk to you uh
0: yeah it's hard how's expensive. Yeah, or- yeah, what's the ten thousand dollar contingency fund you mentioned
2: So I start with $10,000 because, um, actually this was from Shannon, like from her own personal experience, she's found that like, there's always a $10,000 emergency at the end of the house buying process. (laughs) Um, and so I usually tell clients it's like the worst thing that could happen is that we've saved up this down payment. You've got the keys for the house and then the water heater breaks, um, and you're Mm. out of cash. So it's at, at least being able to cover those things but say everything's perfect the house is perfect nothing's wrong with it you still want to be able to make it your own so I want them to be able to like decorate buy furniture and paint the place without any stress either so that's what the contingency fund is there for
1: I got you always skeptical when people like sell things like if the house (laughs) is a shithole you know then you're waiting for the thing to break but if it's like so perfect like why did why did they leave? What is it haunted? What's right what's wrong? <laughs> and, and you eventually find out why you got the house, you know.
2: For the deal that you got it for. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'll um, deal with the another- well, another part of being house poor is just not having enough equity to protect you from like any market downturns. So if you came in with very little down um, and then the house loses value, mm. then you're much more susceptible to becoming underwater on your mortgage, which is which isn't a good place to be there. You don't feel very good about that. Yeah. So yeah, um, owing more than it's worth um, mm. or at least being able to get out of the house, like at least be able to sell the house and pay the realtor fees without being out of pocket any money.
0: Yeah. I remember we talked about, we had a whole episode actually on getting into a house without putting down the 20%. And I think the the method we landed on as being the best, if you can do it, is where you do the, what is it called? The 80-10-10 mortgage, or the piggyback mortgage. Okay. You get like an 80 and then a, there's another 10 so, uh, Is that what it
1: was? it's, it's like a, a, a trick basically. Um, yeah. because so the banks give you the mortgage and it still like fits all the criteria, but Hey, like you could put less down. Essentially you get a first mortgage on 80% and then you get mm-hmm. a second mortgage at a higher rate on 10%. So you don't pay PMI. Okay. Um, yeah. But, but the banks that still second
0: mortgage super quick.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so at the end of the day, like you actually pay less money. Um, but the the bank actually takes more of the money that you're paying, as opposed to like PMI and all of these bullshit things. So yeah. it's like, it's like a win win for everybody. Yeah, but right. I agree with you. Twenty, you should really do twenty percent. <laughs> you
2: should. <sure>? It's just <laughs> yeah. better. Or like any shortcuts, um, you have to you have to like enter the shortcut. They have a cost. Caution. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you got to figure out the cost is. And I remember asking you. Um, Like how much you had left over after you got your first place? Like negative money, like literally negative money. Or actually, maybe it was maybe it was the current place then. So, so this place. I remember you told me like you got into this place and you still had like a substantial amount left, and I was like, okay, if you can do that, then I can do that with my first place.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, And and, in hindsight, we had gotten our shit together by the time we had gotten our second place and learned far more valuable lessons and unvaluable lessons than I would ever wanted to have learned in my life. But (laughs) uh, but but now, like this time with this place, like, yeah, we were able to afford it. And I I really think like like Joy said, if you could just have some money left over so you're not like back against the wall, that's the worst. And you can't. It's really hard to get yeah. rid of a house. It's it's easy to get. I mean, it's sad, but easy to get rid of a dog. It is probably. I mean, it's easy to get rid of a car. Houses are
0: just like barnacles. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Though people do become car poor too, right?
2: Oh, uh, ca- that's the even worse. Being car poor. I hate. I hate seeing when people are um, underwater on their car loans, or if they're paying. Um, I really, I don't like a car payment to be over $300 a month. Like you're kind mm-hmm. of being screwed. Um, so it, and it, this compounds on other issues. So like if you have bad credit and you don't have cash, um, you tend, but you have to have a car in most places. So like outside mm-hmm. of metropolitan areas, like I've got clients who live outside of the city and there's no way around having a car cause they have to go and yeah. get. They have to go make money, um, mm-hmm. but if you have a credit score in the five hundreds, you're gonna get a cre- you're gonna get a car loan at eighteen percent interest. Oh, oh my! Oh my
0: God! That's insane. How would you ever pay that off?
2: You never pay it off. Then you become car poor, and
0: yeah. You- <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Eighteen
1: percent.
2: Wow. It has. It's real. It's a product out there.
1: You know, because uh, <laughs> if you have like decent credit, car loan interest is usually less than mortgages. They're like, yeah,
2: it should be it should be like, you know, I've seen zero percent car loans mm. to like five percent. Five percent is pretty average, but eight percent. Have you ever seen
0: zero on a used car?
2: No, I haven't. I've seen like point okay. nine five. That's probably okay. the best on a used car.
0: Yeah, because usually when I see the zero percent, they seem like just marketing tactics to get you to buy a new car, which yeah. you, you, know, you kinda have to like View the like $5,000 extra gap that you're paying versus a similar used car as extra interest but there at that point. Dude, Thomas, you've seen the TV shows.
1: Someone thinks they're all slick, they're not going to pay their bill. Some huge guy shows up and just like literally tows their car away. Like, I don't know, like <laughs> on his shoulder, they just take it. It's fine. They don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to get rid of your car. That's, right, keep that car. That's right. The repo man. What was his name? Like dog? D-A-W-G. <laughs>
0: He's the bounty hunter. Oh, okay. Repo, sorry. Man. I'm getting my shows crossed. He comes after you if you miss your court date.
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Him and his wife and his kids, his whole family just shows up in a giant SUV and calls you past the court. <laughs> Okay. So last on our list we have believing your insurance salesperson is a financial advisor.
2: Yes. The common I, one? Um not as not not like I see it every day, but um I can usually tell if there's like if I have a 25-year-old client who's single has no dependents, um, and is paying $250 a month for a life insurance policy, uh, mm. there's pretty good chances that they got sold a whole life insurance policy that they don't need.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Who's um, going to benefit from it?
2: Their mom. And Why? then it's like, how important is it to you? So I had, I had a client who had, um, insured himself for a million dollars between a term and whole life policy. Um, and his mom would get a million dollars in the slight chance that he dies before her. Uh, and we had <laughs> to have you, that conversation. Are you conversation. expecting to die
0: before your mom? Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's no, terrible. Um, no, I, he, um, but, you know, insurance salesman pose as financial advisors mm-hmm. and um, you just get sold products and annuities
1: oh my god thank you The annuities. thank you <laughs> yes i was uh, yes because i was just thinking in my head i was like oh my god annuities are the worst and i'm so <laughs> glad you agree conversation <laughs> over
0: <laughs> I like how we tried to do like an objective pros versus cons annuities episode. I and we really tried. Like, I did all annuities. this
1: research. I really took the <laughs> devil's advocate spot. I was like talking out with Laura. It's just a shitty product that takes advantage of you. It's it's so bad.
0: Anyways, there there was it one makes you less fearful, I guess, I, if you're a fearful person. I,
1: I guess. I mean there there are better <laughs> the way ways. I think of. Like like Joy said, like you get your your shit together, right? You keep a little bit of money for your lifestyle and like you build that confidence and when you have your, like, it doesn't take that long to get your shit together, even if you're in debt. And I think that, yeah. like, that confidence beats any confidence like an annuity will give you. You're still not going to feel <laughs> comfortable. Like, yeah. It, it's even more complicated. I don't even know. I really don't understand how they work. And I did all this research on it. But,
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, all of those are just like, it's rich people problems. Yes. Yeah. And un- they're unfortunately sold to people where it's not really relevant for them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, so we did skip over one that I wanted to bring up, which I thought was interesting. Uh, believing more education equals more money. Can can you elaborate? Yes. Oh, yeah.
2: Yes. So I have school? a lot of Yeah, I have a lot of people who are just generally dissatisfied with their life and not really sure what the next move is. And it's and, a, it's a human
1: uh, thing. Like it's like the human condition. Yeah, so
2: it's like let me go back to school or like let me go get an MBA um and or like, let me go hide in law school. Um, but those are very expensive hiatuses to take. Um, so I, I unfortunately see people on the other side of that who have, um, wanted to do the right thing. Like, let me go get my MBA. Um, let me go do all these extra certifications and they're still not making much more than if they had just stuck it out or like built the relationship capital they needed to at work or been able to negotiate the salaries that they needed. Um, because no one cares about the degree. (laughs) Unfortunately. That's so true.
1: Yeah. (laughs) we have, uh,
2: no one cares. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it goes down to uh, some people. It's like other, other types of classes too. Like they'll maybe they want to do like an online course, or they want to become certified to become a life coach, and it's going to be twelve thousand dollars for this certification. Oh, um, wow. I had a client want this. Is that what like, they well, charge for that? Some of them, yeah. Wow.
0: Good for them. What does a certification for a life coach even mean? And people pay like, for it. Yes. I,
2: good for them. <laughs> I could make a life it.
0: coaching certification program tomorrow. Like, wh- but know. who says that I know anything?
2: <laughs> I know. So that's why I tell them. And, and I. I've like, I've hired a life coach before and I was like, I didn't, I didn't look on their website to see what medallions they had on like certification. It was like, I liked the free content they were putting out and I liked them as people and I wanted to work one-on-one with them. So I was like, don't skip the certification and just go to
0: like um, doing
2: the thing that you want to do. Go do it.
0: Yeah. I'm working on hiring an editor for videos right now and I have this whole spreadsheet of applications and I got to one person's application and they had great portfolio. So like they're in the running, but they had mentioned like front and center, their degree and like my eyes just glazed over it. (laughs) Like it wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm I'm not going to hire you because you mentioned your degree, but it's like, that's irrelevant to me. You could have left it off and I wouldn't have cared. All I care about is let me see your portfolio. It's like, can you actually do what I need? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so it just sucks to have six figures of student loan debt and not actually oh. making that much more money than you could have if you just stuck it out and was really good at your job and making sure everyone knew you were really good at your job.
0: Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish like students, even even students coming out of high school, could say. And I mean, I know a lot of them don't even know where they want to go into, but if they did know, it would be really nice to be able to have an objective measure of like, does this industry actually care about degrees or not? Because mm-hmm. if every passing year, more and more companies care less and less about a degree. And I mean, it doesn't mean that it's useless and a lot of companies still do, but I don't know. It's not like it was 20 years ago.
2: Yeah. I mean, I went to a random private private college that's known for its culinary school for a marketing degree um and no one's ever asked me about it (laughs) no one's ever asked me to show a diploma or like send in my transcript um well i think
1: i think it's a thing it's like there are these like i don't know 20 colleges that like everyone knows the name of and after that it's just you could have picked five random words college (laughs) you know i'm like oh cool i went there too (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. No. So it's more like a networking opportunity. So like there is that yes. with MBA programs. Um, mm-hmm. Or it's more like if that's a goal for some of my clients, I try and tell them like, let's figure out how your employer can pay for it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Or get someone else to pay for it because it won't be the answer.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think that we are trying to say that you know college is useless and then it has no benefits. It clearly does. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking that the degree itself is going to make you more money. You need to really dig in and research that idea I feel like for your specific it industry. It teaches and you yourself, how to like,
1: think, and it teaches you, like Joy said, like to network and, you know.
0: Yeah, but you know, like, okay, so maybe law school isn't a good example, but I bet you that I could, if I really dug in and worked at it, I could get a law school education for practically free. I'll tell you what, Thomas, Or maybe like the cost of a subscription to a law database. I
1: guarantee <laughs> that you will never represent me.
0: <laughs> you don't want me to represent you? No. Come on. Insanity, please.
1: I, I want someone to represent me who tells me how important their school was and they were sweating every day.
0: Okay, no, I so yeah, maybe Lost School isn't a good example, but like, here's a great example. There's like these coding boot camps, right? And I don't want to like poo poo the coding boot camps, but you can pay for the coding boot camp, but all of that information is. Easily accessed online for free. I know and, multiple people you know, who had repositories no, you could go through, no formal things.
1: coding education, whatever, did a boot camp and have like ridiculous jobs. And I've worked with people who literally went from like doing, I don't know, like grocery stocking, like just arbitrary things to like being killer, like developers through a boot camp. So, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm not saying a boot camp is useless. I'm just saying like those those skills could be learned elsewhere. So, mm. Just going back to the idea that more education equals more money, that is true, but the the question you have to ask yourself is, does it make sense to pay for education that's going to make me more money? Is yeah, there a way or, that I cannot pay for it, especially if paying for it means taking on debt?
2: Yeah, I think it's more... Um more about thinking about it. Like this is an investment and I need to make sure there's a return on this investment, mm, yeah. um, and figuring out. So that's a, that's usually what I'll ask people too, is if they want to go to grad school, it's like, why, um, what kind of job do you think you'll get with this, uh, with this, um, graduate degree and how much does that job pay? So then Mm. we figure out how much it pays and then we figure out how much they can realistically afford to borrow um, Mm. for that degree. And if it makes sense to move forward or not.
0: Do you show them how long it would probably take for them to pay off and kind of like break even had they never gone?
2: Yeah. Or it's more just like um, what they have to make for that monthly um, student loan payment to not eat up a significant portion of their cash flow. Mm. Gotcha. Cool.
0: Well, yeah. I think we've made it through every possible mistake that anyone could ever make with their money. Those are the only there, ones. There are more. <laughs> there, that's it.
2: <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> there may be a couple more.
2: Yeah. Well, well Julia was think... great.
0: Oh, okay, go ahead. Uh,
2: Oh, no. The other one is just not making enough money, Mm. which I've touched on a few Mm. times. So usually when there's a goal that someone wants to meet, um, there's usually a price tag next to it. And then we can usually easily figure out uh, what their annual salary needs to be for them to support all of their goals and the lifestyle that they want to have. So I think that's... Out of everything, that's the most important exercise is to figure out, like, um, you can, I don't ever want to tell anyone they can't do something that they don't want to, that they want to do. We just figure out, like, what they need to make in order to make that happen. Yeah. Yep. That's or the they have to step, sacrifice
1: so. things that perhaps they don't want to. So it's like they have to make more.
2: I have to make more I don't want them I don't even like using the word sacrifice it's like let's get rid of the things that aren't important to you um, and let's do everything we can to do all the things that are important to you and that usually requires making more money.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's yeah, that's always been my philosophy. I think that's always been your philosophy Andrew Addicted to Just it. figure out how to make it happen. right. <laughs> Well, Joy, it was awesome having you on the, you on the show. I know people are going to get a lot out of this. Uh, if they want to connect with you or figure out more about the Financial Gym, where should they go?
2: Yeah, so they can go to thefinancialgym.com and schedule a free... Is
0: it thefinancialgym.com or just financialgym.com?
2: Financialgym.com. Okay, I'll um, make sure. Yeah, and they can schedule a free consultation to learn more about the service and um, see if it's a good fit for them um, or... And they can request to work with me if they want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Probably going to get a lot of requests. Actually, is it only for people who are in New York and who can come there in person or not?
2: No. So, um, we have, I've got lots of virtual clients too. So I work with people all over the country and we just do it like this over, over video conference.
1: So I, I know you're busy, Joy. How, how busy, how many clients can you take on? (laughs)
2: <laughs> um we're we're testing it out no you how um, many
1: can you take on
2: <laughs> how many can i take yeah. on I'm, my goal number is 300 clients
0: wow how many are you at oh right my now? gosh i was not expecting i'm halfway there i oh, think shit. i've got
2: 130
0: that's awesome so yeah. so
2: if
1: a couple comes in is that one or two
2: it's counted as one oh,
1: okay Okay. <laughs> Even if they're both really intense,
2: <laughs> yeah, very intense. It, it costs a little more for a couple, yeah. but so that, that covers my cost. And
0: <laughs> what if they bring wine?
2: Uh, yeah, they can, oh, there's lots of wine. Lots of wine at the financial. Just
0: there a discount.
2: Wine and tissues. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very important second part right there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well you guys heard her, if you want to check out more about the Financial Gym or possibly get Joy as your coach, financialgym.com is where you can go. And as always, we're going to have that link and anything else that we talked about in the show notes for this episode, which are over at listen at com slash show. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Let's brain fire for a second. All right. Well it was awesome talking to you guys yeah. uh you guys know where to go for the show notes tap on our faces if you don't want to type in that url and last but not least listen to slash toolbox for all of our favorite tools book recommendations and other bits and bobs that can help you become financially stronger like gyms right <laughs> all right man see you guys later later thanks guys